When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, people? Welcome to another episode of the Undiluted Media Football Show. Once again, I am your host, Tony Afoke, and this is what we do. We come on, we talk about football, and this is what we're going to start off. As you can see in the banner below, we're going to be talking about Liverpool, the Champions League, some transfer rumours. Harry Kane, is it time to go? Is Jose Mourinho outdated? The FA Cup weekend was good for some, good for none. We'll get straight into it. But first things first, let's get on to Liverpool. A much-needed victory against Wolves. And I said it on the episode last week that do Liverpool go for the Premier League or rather the Champions League? Because they have a hard tie against Real Madrid or a somewhat of a hard tie. But it's nice to see Liverpool. Well, it's not nice to see Liverpool win again from a Man United fan. But it's a good win for Liverpool. You saw they played well and they got the job done against a Wolves side, which is not bad. Whether they keep that form in the Premier League and may go for a European spot, I don't know. But it's up to Liverpool. As a Liverpool fan, or Liverpool fans can let let us know in the comments or anything, you guys do not want to play in Thursday nights. I will tell you that for free. From a team that's played Thursday nights and has been playing Thursday nights, Liverpool don't want to be there. Will Salah still want to play Thursday nights? Will Mane still, will Van Dijk want to play Thursday nights? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of them ones there where you have to think, it's either Champions League or bus or get that top four somehow. I know Liverpool are still a couple of points away. You've still got Everton, West Ham, Tottenham even still in the mix. But who knows, Liverpool fans, we will see. Um, also, Man City comfortably through to the quarterfinals and look at the quarterfinal draw. So you've got Liverpool, Real Madrid, pretty decent tie there. Then you've got Man City against Dortmund. Now, um, I do see Man City winning this one, personally. I don't think they're Champions League favourites. I know everyone's everyone's talking about the quadruple. And I just want to quickly touch on that because I was watching um, the Carling Cup final, that's the Carabao Cup final, sorry, that Man City won on penalties and Sterling scored the winning penalty. And as soon as Sterling scored the winning penalty, the commentator, I'm not sure who it was at the time, was still saying, oh, Man City is still in for the quadruple. And you know that's the talk this season, quadruple. And I was thinking, right, oh, like City... City were in, a were in for the quadruple back then. Like, these guys, when it comes to domestic stuff, they just don't miss. Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't miss. And right now, City have been balling. Obviously, they've got the Carabao Cup final with Tottenham, which kind of looks like a win. But finals are finals. It's, it's any given any given Sunday. Do you know what I mean? Anyone can have that. But I still don't see them as Champions League favourites. Obviously, they're going to win the league. And congratulations to them for winning the league and having the best squads in the league. But that's that's just Manchester City and Pep Guardiola. 
FA Cup as well. They've now got a hard, the harder time in the FA Cup semi-final with Chelsea and then Leicester and Southampton and the others because Man United just can't play football, apparently. But I still don't see City doing this quadruple. I don't see them um, winning the, the Champions League at all because still, that's the thing. It, it takes a lot to win in Champions League. Like, I know you can have a good team and Guardiola's having a good team. I still don't even think this is Guardiola's best team in general. I know the crazy run they went on, but I still don't believe this is Guardiola's best team only because I feel like this season in the Premier League has just shown that how many... The best teams in the Premier League are the people with the best squads. Not the best teams, but the best squads because everyone's been playing. There's been football constantly. I know we're in an international break now, but there's been constant football where players are playing three games a week practically. And you need to rotate a squad. And City can make seven changes and still snap Fulham 3-0. I don't see... There's not many other Premier League teams, maybe a Man United or a Chelsea, that can get away with that. And even sometimes Man United, when they pick a rotated squad, they still can't win. Hence, Sunday's performance. But I digress. With City, I really see them... They could, I feel like they'll beat Dortmund. But if they, if they get either Bayern or PSG, if they get one of the big guns there, we might see... Because they can be beaten. They got beaten by Man United quite comfortably and it didn't really pose any threat against United there. But obviously, that's a derby. Maybe it's different. But over two legs, I I, I still think Bayern Munich are my favourites to win it at the moment. So we'll see We'll see when it comes to Man City. Um, Benzema, let me tell you something about Benzema, how underrated and unappreciated. I feel like he's still a world-class striker, in my opinion, in my opinion Karim Benzema. I remember as a kid, when, um, for those that don't know, Benzema and Leon. If you want to go and watch Benzema back in the day, go watch Benzema at Leon. So I remember Man United had Leon in maybe the round of 16 and the quarterfinals in um in the Champions League. And I remember this goal he scored. Because for those that don't know, before Benzema went to Madrid, he was at Leon and he was linked with Man United. So he was supposed to, Man United fans, because he scored at Old Trafford, scored a really good snapshot goal. I'll never forget it. I was thinking, right, this kid, this well, he was a kid back then, right? Saying this French kid is something else, Karim Benzema. And obviously went to Real Madrid. And he was a baller at Real Madrid, has the records, has a massive goal-scoring record, and you can still see he's a focal point at Real Madrid. But obviously Ronaldo came in, and Bale came in, and, um, you know, Benzema, Bale, BBC, or was it BBC, or however you want to call them, Obviously, Ronaldo and Bale got the shine and we kind of forgot about Benzema. But now we've seen without Ronaldo, without Bale at the moment, he's thriving. He's a focal point of the team. He can still maybe get Real Madrid over legs with Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool haven't been the strongest this season. And if Benzema goes up against Nat Phillips and them, man, in my opinion, that's barbecue chicken. Do you know what I mean? Word to Shaq. But that's barbecue chicken. So I really feel like Real Madrid might get out of that tie. And another reason why I think Madrid got to have, because one, Sergio Ramos now has more Champions League goals than Ronaldo. Not Cristiano, obviously, the, the real Ronaldo. I hate how we call him Fat Ronnie, but El Phenomena will call him on this because we respect we respect the, the real the real Ronaldo. He has more Champions League goals than David Villar, which is quite surprising as well, because David Villar was a, a very good striker at his time. And Zidane as well. Which, for a centre-back, is crazy, in my opinion. And I feel like Sergio Ramos is still one of the, if not the best centre-back in the world. Now, I'm going to give you guys a mad stat, which I saw the other day, which I think is absolutely absurd. And I don't think any other player can replicate this. So, Real Madrid have not lost a Champions League. Let's let this sink in, right? Real Madrid have not lost a Champions League tie 
since with Sergio Ramos in the tie since 2015. Now I'm going to repeat that again. Real Madrid have not lost a Champions League tie like a knockout stage with Sergio Ramos in the team since 2015. So just know if Sergio Ramos is playing that Champions League tie, they are winning. Like, do you know how crazy that is to think they still haven't lost? Like, 2015 was six years ago. We're in 2021 now. Do you know what I mean? And people lose Champions League ties. And Real Madrid won, what, what was it? Four Champions Leagues in five? Or it was a three and four? I think it was three and four. No, they three-peated. So it was Real Madrid, Barcelona, and then they three-peated. So yeah, they won four and five. And they have not, like, and the times they've been knocked out of the Champions League was because their captain, their, their rock at the back, Sergio Ramos, wasn't there. I remember one time he was injured and the other he was suspended. So if Ramos is fit, for all my betting people out there, don't bet against don't bet against Real Madrid when Ramos is there. And obviously Liverpool not not been their greatest this season. Like I know Bernardo is still in the Champions League quarterfinal, but they haven't been their greatest. So with a crazy start like that, why would you not want to put Sergio Ramos there? I feel like he's still if one of the best, if not the best centre back. No other centre backs doing that. For how can you not lose a Champions League tie in the past like five years? Like, do you know how crazy that is? Like, that's that's Real Madrid's that's barbecue chicken for Real Madrid, in my opinion. But um, let's go on to some transfer rumors now. And the big one, where I feel like this is a big summer for a lot of a lot of transfers, right? You've got the Euros. So whoever has a good Euros, they, first of all, thank God Haaland's not going to be in the Euros because his stock would have just gone pew, 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 from like 100 million to maybe 200 because he would have banged at the Euros. And Odegaard as well. Arsenal fans, I know I know you, you're wanting to sign Odegaard after that performance at West Ham. You know, you didn't win. But you, you never know. Like, with the Euros, I've seen people... In, there's nothing like international tournaments. International tournaments can raise stock value. Look at um, World Cup 2010. After Kadira... Ozil and all them lot banged, boom, 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 boom. They went to they went to Madrid. World Cup 2014, Hamas Rodriguez went to Madrid as well. Do you know what I mean? So you do something on the international stage, you'll get bought. So looking at it now, that's why everyone's trying to raise their stocks. In a sense of this Euros coming up, I feel like this is massive for Harry Kane. And the reason is, is because Tottenham brought in Mourinho to win trophies, right? They got rid of Pochettino, who got them to a Champions League final and it kind of got toxic in the end and they brought Mourinho in to win trophies. They didn't bring Mourinho in to win a Carabao Cup. The Carabao Cup is not enough. What they saw, and if, if you've seen Mourinho's press conference, what they saw and against Dinamo Zagreb was poor. It was a disgrace. You can't be 2-0 up and then losing to Dinamo Zagreb. No disrespect to Dinamo Zagreb, but you can't be doing that, right? So what is it for Harry Kane now? Because he's 28. Obviously, Spurs is the club he's been at for a very long time. Does he leave? But it's hard because, one, Daniel Levy is the owner. If Daniel, if Spurs are getting rid of Harry Kane, he's not going for any less than $150 million. Right now, we're in a panoramic, right? That I don't think anyone is going to pay $150 million for Kane at the moment. Maybe Haaland or like someone like that, they might pay that type of money. But I don't see anyone paying $150 million for a 28-year-old. I know if he, if whoever signs Harry Kane, you're going to get goals, you're going to get assists now because he does lead the lead in goals and assists, which is crazy, which is not even being talked about enough, in my opinion. But how does he go? Because he needs to win something, right? I know 
I know he could break the goal record. Well, I don't even think he can. I don't even believe he can break the Premier League goal record. In my opinion, he's still got. He's probably on like 160, 170, maybe 160 Premier League goals at the moment, and he has to beat 260 in the next like. He's 28 now. He has to do it in the next five years, in my opinion. And for whoever's good at math, that's like 20, 30 Premier League goals a season, which I don't think he's going to do. But I digress. In a sense of Harry Kane, where does he go to? Because I know everyone wants a striker this year. I know everyone's linked with Haaland, right? And everyone wants a striker, but no one's going to pay 150 million for Kane. Because if Daniel Levy's going to sell Harry Kane to you, he's going to make sure he gets his money. He's going to make you sell. He's going to make you give 150 million, your dad and your firstborn, just to get Harry Kane. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's a weird one because he, I think he needs to leave. It might be, if I'm giving my personal opinion, you need to leave because I know scoring goals is good and scoring goals wins games, but you have nothing to not win a major trophy or someone. He's a world-class striker. What world-class striker has been 28 and not won a single major honour yet? It's It's not good. At the end of the day, you play football to win. Every football game you play, any competitive sport you play to win. This is why, like, if you want to quickly go off a tangent, it, you talk about the GOATs and who's the best at the sport. This is why, Tom, in my opinion, Tom Brady is the undisputed GOAT because he has the most Super Bowl rings. And every time you play, every time the season starts, he plays to win to earn the biggest prize. By winning, you earn the biggest prize, right? So it shows that, one, he's not winning enough for someone at his level to still have not won a trophy. And even if he wins the Carabao Cup this year, it's still not enough. The Carabao Cup, I'm so sorry, is still not enough. Fair enough, it's um, it, it could maybe stay, make him stay for one more year. I don't know. Even Tottenham fans want Mourinho out. So I, I, I don't know if it's enough, to be fair, because the Carab listen, someone of Harry Kane's level, he needs to go. If Harry Kane came to United a couple of years ago, or if he like if whoever we signed him, who knows what we could have done. But it's just a matter of it's a weird one because I don't see anyone signing him. I don't see anyone breaking the bank for Harry Kane because you're gonna have to break the bank for Harry Kane. Number two, if you're gonna break the bank, you're gonna want to break the bank for someone younger than Harry Kane and someone who can score goals like Harry Kane in Erling Haaland, right? So I don't see him leaving. But if he wants to leave, where does he go? Does he go to like a Real Madrid? They don't need him, they've got Benzema. Maybe a Barcelona, but Barcelona still have an Asian squad. Maybe he can try winning the Liga, playing the Champions League more. I don't know. But uh, they they don't have the money. They don't have the money that Daniel Levy is going to be asking. So it's a weird one for Harry Kane. But if you guys, anyone has their Harry Kane theories, let, let us know in the comments below. Because that, that's going to be a good one, in my opinion, because I don't know where he's going to go. And I feel like he does have to leave. It's, you're, you're 28. It's got to a stage now where you have to think about your career. And you can score goals, but you have to, like, you don't get, you get golden boots. I was going to say you don't get trophies with golden boots, but you get a golden boot. It's not really a trophy, do you know what I mean? You want to have a team trophy. You want to win the Champions League. You, as a world-class striker, you, you can't be a world-class player and not win anything. Do you know what I mean? It shows that you can be a big fish in a small pond, but you've got to want to be, you just, you want to win. Anything you guys do, if you're playing sport with your friends, if you're banging ball with your friends, if you're playing FIFA, if you're playing clubs, you want to win. You play games to win. On a competitive sport, you play to win. And to show and to have nothing to show for it is poor, from my opinion. And you don't want it, you don't want his legacy to go like that. Like he can just be a Tottenham legend. Like, is that it? Do you know what I mean? Now I'm not saying a Tottenham legend's not good because obviously there's massive Tottenham legends. Do you know what I mean? But you don't wanna just you don't wanna just be a someone of his 
ability shouldn't just be a Tottenham legend. He should be that person, ah, oh, that that English guy who won a World Cup golden boot, who won a Champions League, who won. He's capable of doing it. He can go to, a, he can walk into many starting 11s in Europe. So he needs to do that, in my opinion. But looking at the other striker who might be going this season, Erling Haaland. Now, it's funny, he's linked with Chelsea, United, Barcelona, Madrid, City, like Bayern. He's linked with everyone, right? He's like anyone, everyone's going to sign. And what I like about football Twitter and transfer rumours is that everyone has their own little theories of why Erling Haaland is apparently going to go to them. So um, it's a weird one. As a Man United fan, I have a bit of hope because I feel like if we get Champions League football, we could entice Erling Haaland to United and I will happily take Erling Haaland to United in a heartbeat because he's he's a monster. He's 20 years old. You're gonna you know what you're gonna get with a tin with him. He's already a proven striker in Europe, if not one of the best strikers in Europe already. Um I know City fans are saying that he's gonna come to City because obviously his dad played for City, blah 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 blah, and he's not gonna come to United because of Roy Keane in the Roy Keane tackle when his dad that that's completely yes. Do you know what I mean? Um do I see him coming to United? Yeah, I do. And the reason I can, I'm just going to give you my theory of what I've known from a Man United fan is that for people that don't know, the person who basically started Erling Haaland's career was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He bought him from he was at he was at a Norwegian club, and then he bought he bought him to Mould and managed and has played under Solskjaer. So before I don't think if people remember before Haaland was put on the map at Salzburg, or the season he was put on the map at Salzburg, we were linked with him. And I remember we were linked with him. I think this is when he scored like nine goals in like the under 20 or under 17 or under 20 something. I don't remember. But I remember it was that summer we were linked with him. And I was thinking, who is this guy? Like he's played and just was saying, oh, he's played under Oli. He's now at Salzburg. So we're going to see him in the Champions League a bit. Obviously had his season at Salzburg. We're thinking this guy is good. Then he was linked with us in the January before he went to Dortmund. And the reason we didn't get him is because Dortmund, one thing Man United don't do, I'm not sure if neutral fans don't know, one thing Man United don't do is release clauses. It's a small club thing, in my opinion. That's the reason why we were linked with Sergio Reguilion. And he went to Tottenham because United said, release clause? No, we don't do that. Because if you if you play for Man United, we want you to stay with Man United. Do you know what I mean? It's a long-term plan. And I, to- I totally agree. I don't like release clauses. Because I've always said, if Harlem Banks went to you know, a release clause, there's nothing you can do about it. I, that's why I, do. I hate putting, I don't even put release clauses on my people when I'm signing people on Football Manager because he can be banging for me and the next thing you know, I don't have a choice. They paid that thing, boom, he goes. Do you know what I mean? So that's why United didn't sign Haaland that January because the when Raiola wants a release clause and now everyone's thinking, oh, do we really want to do business with Raiola? Like the talent, uh, Laurie Whitwell in the Athletic uh, reported it that the talent is like, we can look past that. The talent is way too much. For us to just look past Haaland. And if Haaland goes to United or if he just plays in the Premier League in general, it could be for United to see. I don't really see him going to Chelsea. Chelsea can't afford him because Abramovich is Abramovich. But at the same time, I don't really um I don't really see it. And look, for instance, release clauses are bad, like release uh, with Neymar, we saw was a prime example of that. That's why I, I really don't I feel like big clubs and Dortmund are fine. Dortmund are like a feeder club. They know their players will play well with them. They won't win anything. And then they'll go off to better clubs and relieve, and receive money. Because Dortmund are going to receive peace for Haaland, right? And they knew that because they know 
cool. We put a release clause at Haaland that activates next year, which is what, 60 million euros. And they have, if you guys know Alexander Isaac, he plays for, who did we just play? Um, Real Sociedad. Alexander Isaac. So he's on loan from Port Dortmund at Real Sociedad. And he comes back when Haaland's release will go. So Dortmund have already got a plan. They've already saw it. They know he's either going this season or next. But I feel like he's going this season because people, well, this is the thing. We can wait till not this summer, the next summer, and then pay the 60 million release clause and then you're happy. But I feel like he's too good that people are just going to be like, you know what, let's just break the bank for him now because you, you want to get him in now. So do I see him coming tonight? Yeah, why not? I could do with him. If I have to sell Martial, it is what it is, isn't it? It happens. It happens to the best of us. I done it on Football Manager the other day. I said, Martial, I'm sorry, bro. But talents like that, Harlan, you, you just, you, you can't, you can't say no. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's there's people like, oh, where does he fit? Where does he fit? You can't say no. You just got to do that. But we'll see with Harlan. I feel like, it's, especially during the Euros as well, he's not going to be in the Euros, so that could get done earlier before or after the Euros. But it's going to be a very interesting summer, I'll put it this way. And it's nice now. We're going to see him against um, English opposition again in um, Liverpool. I mean, in City, sorry, because he did score at Anfield. He scored, he's, he scored against the English competition in the Champions League for Salzburg. He scored at Anfield, so let's see if he scored. Let's see what he's like against the best defense in the the best defense. He's not American sports. The best defense in the league, and let's see if he's Premier League worthy. Because you know there's Bundesliga attacks. Unfortunately, we've seen it with Werner, we've seen it with Mkhitaryan, we've seen it with Kagawa, we've seen it with so many players from the Bundesliga that when they come to the Premier League, it's not as easy as playing Hoffenheim in them, man. But anyway. Um, another rumour as well there was um, even though it's been shut down Donny van der Beek uh, rumours but let's quickly talk about Donny because it's a weird one because Man United still haven't found a way to utilise him yet and against Leicester I think he was poor in my opinion he was playing the ball too safe and because Man United's midfield doesn't know how to pass the ball or keep the ball his style of play doesn't work because if you remember that 18-19 Ajax team they were passing the ball the short passes Donny was in the hub of it passing and moving moving it around but we don't do that we're just literally we try to find that killer pass often and we rely on individual brilliance so that doesn't really fit into Donny van der Beek's play and his style and whether we figure it out or not I don't know um so, an Ajax representative did say he's happy at United, he doesn't want to leave. And I, there's one thing I've learned from people in the game and obviously from interviews, even Luke Shaw's interview today that was out for Sky Sports, is that Oli Gunnar's man, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's man management is second to none. You can say what you want about him, but the players want to play for him. That's something I've learned. I'm, I won't say who, but I know someone who has a, an ex-footballer who's spoken to uh, people in the club have said that his his man management is second to none. That he's re he's a really good man manager because, listen, if you want to get managed by someone who's done it right, especially at the club as well, someone someone who's telling you what to do is is the best person to you listen to them. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like Oli Gunnar Solskjaer will help Donny Van der Beek. What we need to find is his best position at Man United at the moment. Um, I feel like because of the way he plays right now, I feel like because we play a 4-2-3-1, which is disgusting in my opinion, but I feel like he, he needs to play in that ball pivot at the moment. 
it's a, it's a weird one. He needs to play the double pivot at the moment, but we need to have a good number six there who can sit in front of the back four because I don't want him too deep because he, Donny, what we saw with Ajax, he's effective in and around the box, but he's not number 10 worthy just yet because you have a number 10 like Bruno who gets the goals and assists and the killer passes. Donny doesn't do that, but you can see his intelligence around the box where, for instance, the goal we scored against Leicester, someone... Yeah, someone called it a non-contact assist, which I feel like is disgusting, in my opinion. He dummied the ball, right, which is smart, and then Greenwood smashed it in, which is smart. Those are the intangibles that you don't teach. Do you know what I mean? So he needs to be in and around the box, but I still don't think he's good enough to hold that 10 spot just yet. But he can still, I feel like, listen, if we're playing, majority of the time, we play against teams who are better than that we are better than. So we're going to have majority of the ball. We don't really need to play two defensive mid- midfielders. So only going to social listen. We don't need to play a McTominay Fred pivot, especially if we can't beat a low block. So we can play Donny in that pivot and he can play higher up. But he needs to play. I feel like he should play in the pivot at the moment because one, we don't have the ball retention in the midfield. McTominay and Fred can't, and Matthew can't keep the ball in the midfield. They can't dominate games constantly. So at least with Donny, there's always a safe pass. You know what I mean? At least with Donny, if he's there in the midfield, there's always a safe pass in which we can keep the ball and actually build up play. But we'll see. I, I feel like it's hard to it's hard to adapt to the Premier League. Players will tell you that. Managers will tell you that. And we'll give him time. He can he can play in the Europa League. And there's, he's shown glimpses. Like, he scored in his debut. He's shown glimpses. The little dummy there was intelligent as well. So he's showing glimpses that there's a player in there. And listen, we saw at Ajax, there's a player in there. So we'll, 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 we will see with Donny van der Beek. But until then, who knows? Um, but let's talk about Chelsea. Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel revival. Because they've got, fair enough, the easiest draw. I know there's no easy draws in the Champions League, but they've got the easiest draw in the Champions League in Porto. So it's, 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 it's a weird one because Chelsea at the start of the season... We affected so much with the signs they made of Havertz and Werner, and then it went downhill. And obviously Lampard got sacked, Tuchel came in, and they've kept like 12 clean sheets now, only conceded. I remember I was speaking to one of my Chelsea friends today, they said the only goals that they've conceded was an own goal, and that Minamino one at Southampton, which was a pretty good goal. Other than that, they've just not conceded. Um, yes, they're in a semi-final in the FA Cup, which they probably might lose, but then again... It's an any given Sunday on the day. If they win that, they win a trophy. Congratulations. They they can be there in a semi-final in the Champions League as well. They've got Porto. I feel like they should get through that time. Um, I, do, I still feel like they're going through a honeymoon period at the moment. Maybe I'm just being a bit biased, but I'm just going for what I see. I don't watch Chelsea that much, but from what I know, I still don't think they have that prolific striker. And I still think they're a prolific striker away from being... For me, taking them seriously, if that makes sense. And I still don't think they've been tested. Because I'm sorry, Atletico Madrid, I know Atletico Madrid are top of the Liga, but La Liga has been very bummy this season, in my opinion. And that if that was top of the Liga, I think Leicester... No, okay, that's a stretch. I don't think Leicester will top of the Liga. But you know what I mean? If that if that team, the team that came to Stamford Bridge is the top of the Liga, it shows just the quality, the quality from the Liga has just gone downhill. So, but I still don't think they've been tested because if you look at, yes, they've played Liverpool, they played a diminished Liverpool side, they beat Tottenham, a crappy Tottenham side by a penalty, they didn't beat Man United and they and they beat 
a crappy Atletico team. I still don't think, and now they're not going to get tested because they haven't played, uh, they're, they're playing Porto. But I feel like if they go against, up against a City or a Real Madrid or a Dor- maybe even a Dortmund, I feel like if we test them with a proper team, we'll see what Chelsea is about. Because I still don't feel like what Tuchel's come in and done, I still don't think all like he's, he knows his best starting eleven. Like I was speaking to a couple of Chelsea fans, where does Havertz be in? One Chelsea fan even told me now, I'm not saying this is my opinion, but one said that he might see Havertz leave because they don't know how to fit him in. I said, you, you've spent all that money on Havertz. Surely you've got to you've got to make it work. Because I remember something I'd done on my podcast was when we were talking about getting Havertz to the bridge and I said, okay, where does he fit? Where's Havertz's best role for Chelsea? And then they just said, you know what? We just got to make it work. I know he started playing the false nine role recently and he had a good game at a false nine role and then they've done it again. And it's not the same. I, they just haven't found the best fit for him. Personally, when I watched Havertz and Leverkusen, he just played behind the striker. Now, I know Chelsea are playing like a 3-4-3 three, three at the moment, so I don't really see Havertz playing in that three. If they maybe, if they still want to do the whole three in the back, nonsense in my opinion maybe a three four one two something like that where i feel like Havertz needs to be behind someone he's like a second striker if anyone that's played pez in their lifetime you remember the ss sign do you remember the rooney when he was the number eight at united the second striker raul for instance i feel like that type of role will be best for kai Havertz, in my opinion i feel like that's the type of player i watched at leverkusen and that he could fit that role However, the reason he's not doing that at Chelsea right now is because, one, to to have that role with Raul, he played next to Ronaldo. Rooney played, when he played second striker, he was second striker to Berbatov, he was second striker to Van Nistelrooy, he was second striker to Saha, he was second striker to Tevez. Do you know what I mean? You need to have a prolific striker there. I don't think Havertz can be second striker to Giroud. I don't think he can be second striker to Tammy Abraham. And this is no disrespect to them. But listen, Chelsea are in for a striker for a reason, right? Maybe if he's second striker to Haaland, maybe we won't see the best out of Kai Havertz. But I don't think he can kind of play that false nine. You don't really want to play him on the wing because he doesn't have that type of pace. So I feel like to get the best out of him, you've got to play him in that in that second striker role because that's what the kind of role he was playing at with Dortmund. Like he was playing behind, um, uh, he was playing behind, uh, not Dortmund, sorry, Leverkusen. He was playing behind Kiesling and stuff like that. And yes, I know he's played false nine and he's played up front before and you can see he gets goals, but he just needs to translate that in the Premier League. And it, and it's easier said than done, in my opinion. It is much it is easier said than done because the Premier League is not easy. It's it's not easy. Um, but let's talk about Atletico because obviously they're La Liga and they're top of La Liga and we saw that dreadful, dreadful, dreadful display at Sanford Bridge. And it makes me wonder... I've never rated Diego Simeone as a manager. I feel like he, the the four four two formation has him by the neck. I feel like he can't do anything but four four two, and it's only it only works in certain cases because when Joao Felix or Joao Felix has how you're supposed to pronounce it, when he went to Atletico, I was upset because I said this guy has a talent and he's going to get wasted at Atletico. Because remember they started playing him left mid, and I was fuming. I said, "What? Do not waste this guy on the wing. He's the same, the same role that I explained with Kai Havertz. That's Joao Felix's best position, in my opinion. And if you actually look at it, Atletico Madrid have a lot of flary players, but Diego Simeone will somehow play four centre mids 
in a row. Like he'll play Saul Negres left mid, and he'll play Koke, and then he'll play like well, back in the day he'll play like Tiago and stuff like that. And I'm just thinking, what is this guy like? Atletico have good players, and and he has a, he has an obsession with Angel Correa. Don't know why. Thomas Lamar stuff like that, Yannick Carrasco, like they have ballers and they just can't seem to get the best out of him. Now, I thought Joao Felix would play well behind Luis Suarez, but it was poor against Stamford, it was poor at Stamford Bridge. I think it was really poor and we all know Diego Simeone is known for his back to the wall type of approach. There's a really good defence, you build from the back and then you just try and nick a goal or two. Kind of like how Jose Mourinho used to do it back in the day, or Jose Mourinho, sorry, how Jose used to do it back in the day with Chelsea. But with that, you need a certain type of players because flary players don't thrive under that. Do you know what I mean? Because when um, Simeone, like, when Mourinho was doing it, he had Diego, Diego Milito. Like, Diego Melito wasn't a best striker, but it fit the system perfectly. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, he, it's not like he had Messi and he, and, and Messi was fitting in the system and these very players. Now, um, this is the thing with Simeone because people respect him for what he's done. Yes, he's won a La Liga. He's been in a Champions League final. And if he was to go, I, I don't know where I see him going, in my opinion. I feel like maybe he would want to come to the Premier League. I would definitely not take him at United. I would definitely not take him at United. I don't want to see us play like forward back or not forward back. I just don't want to say I was just play boring football in 4-4-2. And I know, yes, we'll be defensively good, but I don't think he's going to make um, Harry Maguire and Diego, prime Diego Godin, do you know what I mean? So um, I, I don't know. I feel like he may have to go to... Well, this is the thing. If... Conti does leave, maybe, maybe Inter, something, somewhere like that, somewhere where he's been a former player or something like that. I feel like that will be the next stage for, or maybe, maybe even a Tottenham, maybe even a Tottenham. Let's say Mourinho, let's say Mourinho doesn't, because it's kind of the same thing, just a younger version, if, if that makes sense. Let's say if Mourinho doesn't work out and Tottenham could go someone like Diego Simeone, that might be a good shout. But maybe because I don't rate him personally as a manager. I'm not saying he's a bad manager, but I just feel like the style of football just doesn't get... I like Flurry players. I like being excited. I like edge of my seat football. And the football he plays is the complete opposite of that. And I don't see the point of buying Flurry players like Joao Felix, like Thomas Lamar, to just waste them in, like, structured, rigid systems. And that makes sense. So I, I, like... It's 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 a it's a no no for me, and they have like fair enough. Cool, they'll win the league. Or congratulations, but I don't think it's been hard this season where Real Madrid have been wishy washy, and Barcelona. This is one of the worst Barcelona teams I've seen in a very long time. And there's no there's no disrespect to Messi because he's still balling and still got a goal or assist in every single game in 2021, which is absolutely absurd at the age of 33. But it's just the fact that he he's just playing with like how many they they just gone from MSN. And Xavi Iniesta to and Xavi Iniesta and Busquets to like an aging Busquets, Frankie, Mike, Frankie's good, but like Martin Braithwaite and them lot and Serginio Dest. And these are players that will get better, like Serginio Dest and stuff like that. But it's just not the level that Barcelona should be at right now, which is unfortunate. 
But um, back on Simeone, yeah, maybe maybe a Tottenham. I feel like that will make the Premier League mass, massively interesting because you'll have Klopp, Guardiola, Simeone, Ancelotti. Like, it will bring a lot of pulling power to Tottenham as well. And I feel like Tottenham can play that type of rigid football and get away with it. But we will see if he has a world-class striker in Kane because that's what you will need. He'll play good, he'll play good rigid football, have a world-class striker, and that's it. But um, speaking of outdated football and outdated taxes and on Tottenham, let's speak about Jose Mourinho. Now, um, it's unfortunate for Jose because I watched that press conference and he seemed, he seemed hurt. He seemed really hurt by Tottenham. And it's funny how they brought Tottenham to... They brought Jose Mourinho to kind of go away from the whole history of the Tottenham, but it was still the history of the Tottenham. Like, you know, Spurs... That, that game was just a bit spursy, wasn't it? Like, it's it's just a bit spursy. And is he outdated? Unfortunately, yes, in my opinion. And I'm saying this from a fan that has... Jose Mourinho has been my manager. Like, I remember I was telling Spurs fans, I said, he could win you a trophy. He's capable of doing that. And he may, and he may win you a trophy. But it's gonna end sour, and I don't know what it is. But every for the past how many years now, every club he's left is left on bad terms. He left Chelsea again on bad terms. He left United on bad terms. He's probably gonna end up leaving Tottenham on bad terms. Like when are we gonna start? We keep giving him the benefit of doubt because we know what he's capable of. But it's it's just a bit. It's it's not for me, in my opinion, because I'm not I'm now I'm not blaming the Zagreb loss on Jose Mourinho. I don't think it's Mourinho's fault. I think like the players have to be held accountable because he went he he brought them there with a two 0 lead and, and they lost that three two. So I feel like the players have to be held accountable for that as well. And they had chances to win it and they couldn't finish it. But I just feel he's outdated now. I saw it with the way he handles players and stuff like that, and that you got to get rid of times. I feel like you have to get with the times, unfortunately. Like, you have your system, and his system was work, and he's still probably a good manager. But you've got to get rid of times. You've got to adapt. You've got to sometimes take a take a break out, come back, reflect, and be like, okay, this is how football works now. How can I still implement? You can still implement your philosophy, but you've got to update it. And right now, it just seems outdated, in my opinion. And I feel like it's going to end in bad terms. Some Tottenham fans are on him out. Even if he wins a Carabao Cup, he's still going to say, OK, cool, I won a trophy at Tottenham. But so did, so did Juan de Ramos, bro. Do you know what I mean? Juan de Ramos won, his, won Spurs a Carabao Cup or a Carling Cup back then. So what's special? You're supposed to be the special one and you've clearly come to Tottenham and not changed anything. So I, I, I personally, I feel like he's outdated. I really feel like he's outdated. I feel like it's just a bit... For me, but we'll see with Jose. I know there's out of the Europa League now, but let's talk about teams that are in the Europa League. Man United, they have Granada. That's an easy tie, in my opinion. No disrespect to Granada, but that's the tie Man United fans wanted. I feel like it's set up for either United Arsenal. I'm not sure if it's capable of a United Arsenal final, but you know, with the Europa League, I feel like United and Arsenal are practically kind of the favourites. You still have Ajax in there and things like that. But it's got to be one of them ones. I feel like for United, it has to be Europa League or Barcelona because you've got to win a trophy and stuff like that. But we shall see. But as it is international break, we shall look at the England squad. 
And it was a weird one. I feel like the biggest, the biggest omission of this England squad was Trent Alexander-Arnold, which was a mad one in my opinion. Because I know Trent has not played well this season. I know Liverpool have not played well this season. I know everyone's been questioning Trent. But I still feel like he's one of the best. If He's one of the best right-backs in Europe still. And fair enough, it's only World Cup qualifiers. Maybe he goes to Euros, but this is not helping right now. Um, with the England squad, I don't like some of the options. When we look at it in the defenders, we've got Ben Chilwell, Connor Cody, Eric Dyer, Reese James, Maguire, Ming, Shaw, Trippier, Walker. I'm happy for Luke Shaw and John Stones to be back in the sides. John Stones has shown he's got his goal scoring record back. He's, he's been scoring a lot of goals this season because he scored his first goal in over two, three years at Old Trafford. And then next thing you know, it's just a bit like, mm, okay, fair enough. We're getting back in the squad. It's good for Luke Shaw. He's created the most chances as a defender this season. So I was happy to see him back in the squad. Um, Ollie Watkins is in the squad, which is good. Maybe you could have put Patrick Bamford there. I know Patrick Bamford is, he's, he's not young. I know Ollie Watkins is younger and more versatile, but Bamford, like, Everyone questioned Bamford and he's proven us wrong. He's the second highest English goal scorer just behind Hayne. And so it's weird for the second highest English goal scorer not to be there, at least give him a cap, do you know what I mean? But, um, you know, we've got Trippier, Carl Walker, stuff like that. I don't really see, listen, Trent was out, Wan-Bissaka's out. Personally, I, I said this, I don't ever see Wan-Bissaka, I don't see ever... I don't ever see him being called up for England, in my opinion. I just think that right now he'll be behind Trent, he'll be behind Trippier, he'll be behind Walker, he'll be, he'll be behind Reese James. I feel like he should just play for Congo. You just got to go for Congo now because that's behind four guys at the moment. And unfortunately, they all offer more than him going forward. And in this modern day, like he's the best one on one defender, in my opinion. None of them come close to him when it comes to defending. But number one, we're England. We're going to have the ball, ball more than most teams that we play against, especially Albania. So we're going to be on the ball more. And all those right-backs I mentioned are one better than him on the ball. Two, this modern day, this modern game of football, full-backs have the ball practically the most, like centre-mids. And you've got, to, you've got to offer stuff going forward. Now, I'm not saying he's completely redundant going forward, but all those right-backs all mentioned all offer more going forward. So really and truly, I feel like, mate, Wamps, I could just play for Congo, man. Like, keep trying for England. I don't, but I just don't see you going for England anytime soon. And that's just because of the, that's just because we're just stacked right back position. Like, we have Reese James, we have Trippier, we have Walker, and we have Trent. Do you know what I mean? So it's not his fault and it's not down to his really, but we're just stacked at that position at the moment. So you might as well just play for Congo at the moment. Um, in regards to the midfield, Jesse Lingard is back in the side. Jude Bellingham's been called up, Phil Folden, um, Mount Rice, Ward-Prowse. Maybe Ward-Prowse is a bit of a weird one because Southampton haven't been great this season. It's been a very wishy-washy. We haven't really spoken about Southampton too much because remember they were top of the table for like two seconds and then they just kept dropping points and dropping points and dropping points and dropping points and then they lose 9-0 at Old Trafford and just keep dropping and dropping and dropping. So it's a bit of a weird one, but... Um, Listen, it's, it's a nice squad. I don't think this squad will replicate what squad is going to the Euros. I feel like some of these players won't go to the Euros, in my opinion. Like, for instance, Sam Johnson. I don't think Ollie Watkins will make it into the Euros, the 23-man squad. 
I don't think Ward Prowse will either. Raz, Philip Mount, maybe Lingard. Listen, he loves Lingard. We saw that in the World Cup. He will probably make it into the Euros. But we'll see this England squad. We'll see the formation we play. Will it be three at the back still? Will it be four at the back? We're yet to see, but uh, we'll see. Um, it's just a quick one as well, as I was going about Man United, saying that um, how is Europa League a bust? As a fan, well, this is the thing. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer said that it's not about winning trophies. It's more about seeing the team progress. Now, and I spoke about this on my pod, progression leads to trophies. And for Man United to not win a trophy, this is the longest we haven't gone without a trophy now since three years. So it's not progression. Man United are progressing because, listen, we finished the season, we finished last season third. We can finish last season second. That officially is progression. But we need to win a trophy because he's still like we were in four semi-finals. He's now had five semi-finals now. And I know if you want to say, oh, like we can't get past the semi-final, blah, blah, blah. It's all on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Listen, I he just said that to protect his players. He wants to win a trophy. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer knows the BNA the club. He knows Man United, you are here to win trophies. So he just said that just to deflect the things of the players. I think he knows deep down that he has to win a trophy. So We'll see. As a fan, we'll see. Because I really do want him, I really do want us to win a trophy at least just to get that omen, just to get that monkey off your back. Do you know what I mean? To get that chip off your shoulder. And if we win a trophy and we come second, that's progression in my opinion because it's better than last season. Next season, we see how we can progress further. And we've got to give him his credit, but we'll just see. We'll have fun during the international break. We'll watch football and then club football will be back very shortly. But that's all we got time for on the Undiluted Football Media Show. You can check us out on YouTube. I've been your host, Tony Foke. Till next time, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.